What's up, everybody? You're listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGM Plus, your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I'm Tom Hush. I'm Connor Cornelius. And we're so excited to have you back again for another week of Chicago Film Talk. Connor, how are you doing this week? Doing great. I uh, I woke up at 8 this morning for absolutely no reason and uh, watched a, a quick movie and uh, had a, a leftover pair of crepes. <laughs> and other than that... Movie and crepes. Yeah. And I now like I'm that. here. It's good. So wait, what movie did you watch? I watched the very end of Ace Ventura 2, When wait, Nature Calls. So you, did you, had you already started watching I started it? it last night and just couldn't do it. And you yeah. fell asleep mm-hmm. and then watched the very end of it. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite one. It is my Out of the two of them. I, like, I want to say that it holds up, but uh, it's also, I, I was just doing a little research on it while I was having my, my coffee, and it's in a list of like one of the most, as one of the most considered one of the most racist movies ever made you know what you're not wrong there no Looking and the first back one on is it. really is really like transphobic sure and everything as well so it's hard you know in this day and age <laughs> let's let's you, bury that movie i guess yeah maybe i, I don't maybe. know i still like it i want to cling to the positivity of it that i you know the positive uh affiliations i have with it but Oh well. Well, we can we can help you work through that. Thank you. At a later. That's why I'm glad we're here. (laughs) Uh, One of the reasons that we're here, Ace Ventura talk. The other reason we're here to talk Chicago cinema. Uh, We've got a great few guests here. Another full house, just like last week. I really like this. I like this panel sort of thing. I like having a lot of guests in the uh, in the house. First off, we've got Thomas Motier. Say hello, Thomas. Hey, how's everybody doing? I love it. I like your. You've got a very good radio voice. I, nice I try. Deep. I was born this way. Yeah, you know? yeah. Kid of the child of the airwaves. It was. Um, <laughs> Mike Rempert as well. Hello, everyone. And uh, they, these two are both filmmakers. Uh, they work together, and they've got an upcoming uh, screening at Cinema Obscura's TV party, uh, number twelve to be exact, and that's going to be at the Logan Bar on December twentieth of this year. Not of correct. 2019 yeah. or no. 2025. Wait, but hold on a second. That's, that's in a few weeks. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We, we better make we a movie. Better, yeah, we better <laughs> shoot this and cut it as soon as possible. And we can't talk Cinema Obscura without bringing in the father of Cinema Obscura itself, one of our favorite recurring guests, Mr. John Davies. Oh, thank you, guys. Yes. Round of applause. Thank you so much. Yes. John yes. Davies. Fine gentleman. One of our earliest guests on the show. He was episode three. That's right. And he's been back He's been back a couple times. And, Day uh, one. We want him to be here every time, honestly. I'll be back. I'll just be give back. us a call. Just show up, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Can we record a pod? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's just do it. Are you I saw hiring? John Davies in the parking lot. He wanted to do an episode. I don't yeah. know. Oh, he, just, yeah. he was just kind of there peddling like, <laughs> buttons, and he's just like, hey, I'll be on your podcast. That's what I do. That's what I do. Uh, John, let's talk a little bit about right off the bat the fact that uh, this TV Party 12 is going to be at a different location than previous TV parties, previous Cinema Obscures. Uh, used to be over at Township, moved a couple doors down over to the Logan Bar. And the reason for that is because Township has closed or is closing, indefinitely closed. They are done, apparently. Hmm. I have no more information other than that, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, we're moving on to the Logan Bar and looking really looking really good in there. Uh, last month we had uh, TV Party 11. It was a little bit of emergency, and they came through with flying colors, and I can't thank them enough. Uh, Mark Vella, if you're out there, thank you very much. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, it's really it's hard to find a space to do something like this last minute. So mm-hmm. we're I mean here at NoCo Cinema, we're really happy that the Logan Bar was able to host you guys. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You just had to move like right next door. Yeah, we were really lucky. It's uh, it's literally five doors away. Uh, it's closer if you're coming off the Blue Line, which is a bonus. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they were just really accommodating and really nice. And the space is pretty incredible. I don't have to set up a screen. I don't have to do much but plug in the computer. And oh, really? Yeah. Oh, they've got a screen that. set up. They have three, four TVs set up that. Wow. My program goes over. Yeah. That is awesome. really great. It's that nice. is really great. It's nice. Well, uh, what are you doing on uh, the 20th? You the 20th? Should, uh, swing by. I think uh, there's this screening that I'm <laughs> supposed to go to. I think it's called the TV Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 12? 12? The 12th edition? I, I, I like that it's TV Party 12. Like, these are all UFC events. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, let's. I, it, Going for the title. <laughs> is it is it a problem if I haven't seen TV Party 1 through 11? Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> no, TV be Party lost? 12. Do I have to catch up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. TV Party and, 12 is almost all brand new stuff. So Really? Yeah. All fresh. Mm-hmm. I love that. And we've, I mean, looking at the event here, uh, someone that we talked to last week, uh, Dustin Puler from oh. Ready Freddy Films. Is I he going to be showing year 4000? Yes. Fantastic. All right. So we, you, if you listen to last week's episode and you're just like, man, I really want to see the year 4000, be there December 20th over at Logan Bar uh, for TV Party 12. Now, Obviously, if we're going to be talking about people who are in the TV party, we've got to talk to our guests, Thomas and Mike. You guys have a, a short or a full full length? What are we looking yes, at? Yes, we have a uh, short. It's actually the second episode um, of a web show that we created called Dead is the New 30. Oh. Yeah. Cool. So it started out as a short film um, we shot in 2015 called Dick Pick. Um, so super relevant, you know, hard hitting subject matter, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very strong documentary. No, it's actually uh, just a comedy we made kind of about dating apps, um, stupidity of male culture, uh, dating in general, and then we kind of turned it into a web show after that and reworked it and retitled it Dead is the New 30. So this is the second episode. Second episode. Yeah. Are these? Do you have them posted online as well? Is that part they of your They will strategy? all be available Actually, the day of TV Party 12. Really? Um, the yeah. entire series? Um, the first two episodes. First two episodes, yeah. okay. Me and John Davies sat down, you know, talked about it for days at a time. We and worked on this trying for to so long. That we did. It's, it's been a tough, uh, you know, 48 hours, but you know, <laughs> we finally determined how we're going to do this. Are these episodes short form, or are they like yeah. 20 minutes? Um, so the first one was about, what was the running time on it? 13 minutes. Okay, Cut right. down from 27. Yeah. yeah. There were more jokes. To begin with, and then we just went with less jokes. <laughs> Wait, where do you guys air the theatrical version or the director's cut? Theatrical, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Can we get <laughs> the director's cut? Yeah. Does well, it, well, it turns sure. out that the jokes we cut weren't funny. Oh, so the director's cut is just longer and less funny, and we okay. went with shorter and more funny. Okay, which ended that. up altogether being sort of funny. I was going for less funny and longer, but you know, it turns out that shorter and funnier. <laughs> a lot is of people do less funny and longer. <laughs> right. We decided to go the other direction. Right. So it's either you know, you either you go for the real nice tight one, or you go for the uh, Judd Apatow cut mm. where it just completely falls off in the third act. Of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last forty minutes is just about our parents for no reason. <laughs> so Tom and Mike, Thomas and Mike, you guys worked together on this. Uh, can you tell me what your respective roles were? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we both kind of do a little bit of everything. Uh, Usually one person comes up with the idea first. Typically it's Tom that comes up with – Tom's a good initial idea guy. And then he kind of cuts them down. 
Uh, yeah, okay. Tom has a lot of bad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom thinks that all of his ideas are pretty great. That is correct. And it's not true. That is correct. But there's a couple of them that are usually really good. Right. Uh, but then he usually doesn't really know where to take it. And then just naturally I sort of kind of pepper in maybe a little bit of structure. and He's uh, like the jokes. salt bay. Oh, yeah? yeah. I guess. He adds the, the yeah. spice to exactly. it. Exactly. He brings the meal together. Correctly. I guess so, yeah. And those yeah. aren't roles that we've ever discussed or decided upon. That's just kind of the way that it works. Right. Natural working you know? relationship yeah, that arises. Absolutely. Yeah, I've never been a good first idea guy. I do come up with some. This last one, I came up with the initial idea. Sure. And then I kind of peppered in the details. Yeah, so by the end of them, and we've been doing this since high school, working together and stuff on little sketches and stuff, and by the end of them, looking back, it's kind of hard to determine uh, who exactly had what role. It truly is a collaborative effort. By Absolutely, the end. yeah. I think sometimes I'll present an idea to Mike. Um, we'll, you know, we'll we'll hash it out. We'll go over it. He'll throw in some ideas. We kind of grind down what doesn't work, and you know, try to bring things together. Um, with this past one, the second episode we did of Dead Is the New Thirty, like Mike was saying, he initially came up with the idea. And um, we just hash out the jokes, see what jokes work, try to take some out. I throw in some ideas if they work, you know, if they do, and then we kind of blend it all together, and that's how we do this. Thinking of stuff. Thinking of stuff, <laughs> So assuming exactly. that you guys are the kind of creative uh, force behind all of these episodes, what, um, how long have you guys been working on this? Um, so the first short we shot, uh, Dick Pick, we ran a Kickstarter for a month, and we successfully funded it, which was very surprising. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did you do that? Um, we just blasted all over the place. Yep. We, we didn't know how to do it, you know? We just right. threw it out there, and we were like, what should we put as the minimum, you know? Right. Because, like, should so we So we shoot? raised $4 million. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite impressive. <laughs> a handful of too many explosions, probably. Right, I right. Yeah, I would say so. But money well spent. <laughs> No, we raised a few grand to do it, and we spent all of it, and it was great. And um, we just blasted it out, and we just found a lot more support than – like, I don't know if I was absolutely stunned, but I think I was maybe surprised. Right. Um, you know, like, your friends, parents, and stuff like that, just, you know, giving you money for a little idea that you have and everything. And I don't know if we'd be able to do it again. I think, you know, if we were do it, doing this every six months – you know, people yeah. would probably sure. stop giving us it. money to do it. <laughs> but I think there was a certain charm to it that we hadn't done anything like that in a while. Absolutely. And, you know, all and the a, money adds up, and it did. And a good method to doing the Kickstarter thing, I think in general, is making people that are donating feel involved while you're presenting the yeah. Kickstarter itself. Sure. Um, when we first launched it, we had a promo video, and we found that people really like that. So halfway through the Kickstarter, we cut another promo video put that out there, mentioned to everyone that had donated, and then, you know, more people wanted to get involved at that point, and it helped push it forward. Well, I, that's and I really like that about Kickstarter is that um, it's not just a, a, a platform to raise funds to make something, whether it right. be a film or an album or whatever, but it does give you the opportunity to make people feel super involved, and uh, I'm glad that that worked out. Like. Was it just people within your own social circle? Did you see donations coming from like so su like surprising places? There were a few random like five dollar yes. donations from people <laughs> that we don't we don't know who they are. Probably and people that, that was just, that was excellent. Probably people that just googled dick pic and stumbled yeah. upon it and thought, I'll throw some money at this. We because, definitely yeah. when we had like the dick pic Facebook page going on. 
there was definitely a lot of friend requests from strange European people. Yeah. And I'm fairly certain that they thought they were getting involved with something other than a goofy comedy. <laughs> Tiered incentive structure on for dick pic- Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw $5 they, They've that. monetized it. They're they're like, monetized yeah, it. usually it's just a little blurb on your phone. This thing's 13 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is phenomenal. Here's five bucks. I look forward to it. Oh, man. Well, so money, money raising aside uh when it came to the actual shooting how did you get the folks together um it was extremely diy um i directed edited it did the coloring the the effects on it mike obviously one of the main writers i would consider him you know assistant director as well um our good friend danielle duncan who is a extremely talented uh photographer here in chicago was our director of photography so She's very nice for working with us, I must say, mm-hmm. because, you know, when I presented her with the idea, I was like, well, it's called Dick Pic. Um, <laughs> she's it was like, a oh, noticeable no. win. Okay. <laughs> I'm right. in. <laughs> so it's called Dick Pic. Um, but she came through and helped us out and shot with us for an entire week. And, you know, she's very good at um, translating our ideas, especially when I'll bring a shot sheet to her and break everything down. You know, she can kind of see what we're going for and mold it into what we want it to become. Yeah, Danielle's fantastic because she is primarily a still photographer, and she makes a living doing that, and she doesn't do a lot of video, uh, and she does serious uh, political photography and sure. stuff. Yeah. So um, for her, this was like quite a hoot to like get, <laughs> get together with a couple of dopes with a 13-minute dick joke and yeah. help us film it. But she's very talented. Um, her equipment is top of the line, so that's mm-hmm. so... With being friends with her, we have the added bonus of not just using her skill set, but also her equipment. Um, so it just made sense to do it. And she's great with from the still photography of just setting up a frame and, and making it look good. You know, and mise-en-scene, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, moving things around in the background. Because Tom and I are writing, directing, and performing in it. So it's because we're so modest. So it's it's hard to have you know to keep an eye on on everything and, and wear all those hats. But um, when you don't trust anyone else to do it, that's what you got to do. Yeah. The whole thing was a mess, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's lucky we have anything. No, it, it was very smooth. We shot it over what five days, six days, six days. Okay. We stretched it out. We didn't have longer than like a four or five hour day, so right. it wasn't really like a grueling six day shoot. Um, it was all yeah. yeah. It was all shot primarily in Logan Square. Um, we shot a scene at a bar in Logan Square. The double uh, Henry, the owner, let us just use the bar, open up early. We brought people in, bought people some beer and pizza, and just shot there. It was great. So it's definitely you know who you know and who also knows you. And see something like that, you couldn't do that in L.A. You would need right. a permit. You would need to clear up all the red tape months in advance. And for just, sure, what's his name? Uh, the, Henry. Henry. Yeah. You just get, met this guy, I assume, and or maybe yeah, you knew no, him, knew him but... for a couple of years. Awesome guy, and just like, hey, can we use the bar? Sure. When do you want to open it? You know, bring people in, buy them a bunch of rounds of beer, and yeah. make them sit there for a while. It is amazing to me every time we have Chicago filmmakers on us, but particularly, you know, like indie filmmakers and everything. It's just the sense of community and how, like, willing the community in Chicago is to, you know, facilitate people to make film. It's amazing every time. Yeah, use your resources, you know. So where in Chicago do you guys specifically operate? Like, are you guys in Logan Square or what neighborhoods are usually? 
Yeah, it, in yeah. and around Logan, exactly. Um, I used to live in Logan with John, as a matter of fact. That's right. Oh, wow. For a, for a number of years. Directly across the street from we used to We used to poop in the same place. We did. <laughs> separately, separately. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we do just for take a walk down memory lane, just yeah. for old times, you know, Jeez catch sake. up. Uh, when shooting in the city, um, I know that there's a ten- – seen a lot of films that are set in a specific city – like Chicago, sometimes New York. If you're really like, yeah, I want the city to be a character in the in the movie, which I think is one of the most contrived things anybody can say. But I get the point. Um, did you want people to know this is in Chicago, or were you trying to make it kind of any any city you know in the in the states? Um, slightly, I, you know, it, we had it had that neighborhoody kind of feel to right. it. Um, we wanted to, you know kind of portray that in some way classic chicago three flat house um, right but not necessarily we didn't want it to definitely be known that it's in chicago how does um, how does being in chicago and being are you guys from chicago originally yes. yeah we're, we're both from the west burbs we okay like middle school and high school together and stuff uh, okay there, so how does that being the dna of being in chicago seep into what you're making it's it's grimy you know you have you have the winter months where you know everything dies and yeah. The city completely changes and you have that rebirth in the spring every year where everybody's going out, you know. So there's a lot of character to this city, I think. There's diverse amount of culture. You can find anything you want any night of the week. And I think that needs to be portrayed, especially, um, you know, with independent film here. You know, there's a lot of different sides to the city you can show. I really like that. I really like that. Um, Good answer, Tom. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. That's a big gold star for Tom. <laughs> Nothing for Mike yet. No. Oh, come on. Dude, it's getting warmed he, up. He, he poops with John Davies. He does. Yeah, did That's we true. forget that That's already? That's the brown star. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to uh, bigger films show, shooting in Chicago or portraying Chicago, have you guys ever watched like Chicago Fire, Chicago PD? Uh, Ish. Chicago Med. I did watch the first season of uh, Easy. Right, I, that, cool. I feel like yeah. that's a really interesting, uh, a really interesting project. How do you feel that these um, larger projects are portraying the city? Is it accurate, or do you feel like they're missing something? V- visually, um, it is. I think so. I think they're just looking for you know certain locations that they think this is Chicago. You know, right? They they look and they do that with every city, of course. I don't know that it has the heart of the city necessarily, but I can't really comment on it. Easy, definitely had a bit of it for sure i think they're trying to branch mm-hmm. out and focus on you know you can't help but spots. notice things that they get wrong too right. like with shameless you know like there'll be episodes where like fiona just like she's like i'm just gonna work at this nightclub for a weekend right <laughs> yeah you know and it's like where's this nightclub that you just walked made bank at for a weekend and then <laughs> like on her easy. way home she's like walking past buckingham fountain at midnight and, and you're like where was that nightclub right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that on your way home to the south side you're yeah. passing by buckingham yeah. fountain and if you're walking to the south side it's gonna take you like an hour and a half yeah you know like where are you even walking to but you know that stuff that probably ninety five percent of that audience who watches that is not going to think that, or or get upset. Yeah, it's not that you get it's upset like, about it. I mean, you know, it's a it's you're a show. Just like whatever. But there's a lot of stuff like that on their show, yeah. Because you can't help but watching Shamus specifically, kind of looking around in the background, like, oh, I've been there. Or that's yeah. that's the stop I used to use for work, you know, or something like that. And you know, um, the thing that they're looking at when they cut to like you know their POV shot, you can tell it's like a different neighborhood or something mm-hmm. like that, but. I think it's awesome that stuff's filmed in Chicago and, like, all the Chicago stuff, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. 
Um, they're not shows that I watch, but uh, a lot of people I went to film school with and stuff that, you know, are gaffers and, you know, um, mm-hmm. people like that uh, all work on those shows. Yeah, they're know? bringing a lot so, of work to the city. Yeah. yeah. A lot. So I think, I think it's kick-ass. One thing I want to say is I think fall here in Chicago specifically is just awesome. It's super oh, yeah. old, vampy city, like the architecture. I think there can be a lot done with that as far as atmosphere in film that hasn't been done yet. Yeah, there's a lot of production value yeah. in Chicago seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and for every, I also feel like for every show or movie that does show Chicago in a good light and captures the heart of the city, there's like a cheap impersonation almost. Oh, definitely. You know? Like, I think that the one thing that struck me was... Um, <clears throat> the there was an episode of Stranger Things where the eleven girl goes to Chicago and she meets this gang of criminals and they just start running heists all over the city or whatever and there's just this one establishing shot when she's on her way into the city and it's just in my mind I was just imagining the Duffer Brothers being like okay what do we need in Chicago we need the skyline we need the CTA and we need a bunch of bums rummaging for trash yeah. and, like, <laughs> and so that's that was Chicago, just, that was Chicago. and then yeah. it was like okay, now you can just basically entirely forget that you're in Chicago because we did that one shot. Yeah, and even inside of that, the establishing shot with the skyline, actually, from where you're seeing the skyline, would place you like, there's, she's in like a physical location, like it's land, but where the skyline was shot from would place you in the middle of Lake Michigan. Right. Like, it would place you in the water. They're like, there's nothing there, it's just water. It doesn't, just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I do. I do like that. It's just kind of like, well, you know, you kind of have to have these signifiers to be like, yeah, we're in Chicago, and some things are just going to look better. But then you get people from Chicago who are just like, eh, that's that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That doesn't <laughs> right, actually work right. that way. You can just use the intro Trying to Perfect to Strangers and everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> Every establishing shot should just be the beginning of Perfect Strangers with with the theme song. I want to jump into the plot of. Uh, Dick pick here, and then further. <laughs> of, course, of course, can you say everybody? Like Tom, uh, Tom, oh, yeah. uh, that is a fantastic sentence. I want to jump into the plot of Dick Pick, right, and then, then we all do. We and got by it. extension, dead. Well, dead is a new thirty. Yeah, uh, you're tackling toxic masculinity, and like you didn't, you didn't go out to write this necessarily, but you, as as something brutish, something like you know, very serious, but as more of a comical look at the way. Uh, men believe they're supposed to operate. Would Absolutely. that be a good way to put it? Definitely. I, th- I would say so. I, it's kind of both aspects of it. Um, one of the characters is just a complete idiot trying to convince the other character to send a dick pic directly off the bat after meeting a girl. Um, and they sort of go into this dialogue about you know why you should, why you shouldn't. In in certain terms, Mike, I don't know if you want to speak on this. <laughs> if, if, if I want to speak on this. Well, you always should. Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, I mean, it's more so. I mean, we call it dick pick because we—it's a catchy title and um, in sort of a tongue-in-cheek sort of way. Um, it's more so, yeah, about that te- the, the technology age that we're in and the mm-hmm. idea of doing everything through your phone, meeting people through your phone, um, and just like how strange that can be. Right. Sort exactly. Of thing. Exactly. It's, it's more so what it's about, you know. And it's it's really kind of about how um, you know g- dating culture. It's just instant gratification, you know. And so one of the characters is trying to convince the other character to initially send a dick pic. They go back and forth on why you should, why you shouldn't. Um, then they decide to drink a Romanian moonshine. <laughs> 
which to, just sends things loosen themselves yeah, up. to loosen themselves up, which Naturally. sends every yeah sends everything on a downward spiral through like paranoia and you know. Um, At the end, it's kind of like were they hallucinating that the entire time? Did any of that actually happen? Right. Which is a great cop out as a writer, of course. <laughs> How are we yeah. gonna end? Because especially with comedy, you can just get pretty silly if uh, you're not even committing to any of this actually happening. So. Right, and we wanted to show that you know these guys getting caught up in this situation on what they think they're or what one of them thought they were supposed to do um, can kind of delve down this nasty path of paranoia and destruction. Um, so it's slightly comedy, slightly horror, uh, very much dark comedy. But yeah, sounds like a commentary on my own experience with right. online dating. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's pretty related. Spiral. Did any of that actually happen, or like, <laughs> yeah, did I have? Was I actually talking to a person? I don't know. No right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and I do want to say there are are plenty of immature dick jokes in the movie. Naturally. Yes, you know, it's important yeah. to, to put forth as a caveat. Right, exactly. Well, because it, it, it is, on some level, an immature top. Like, it's an immature thing, because it's like dick pics. Mm-hmm. We think of this as kind of a silly sort of product of internet culture and, and as you said, phone culture, dating culture in, in this time. But I really like that there's this idea of using the comedy of it to talk about something a little bit more mature of, oh, my God, what have I done? What are the implications of right. doing something so flippantly that I think right. is, it's really brilliant? I Pers- really think precisely. that's a- Oh, thank you. And I, th- and I think that what's been fun, too, is uh, and part of the reason we titled it Dick Pick and everything is – it's fun to lead people into the experience with maybe false pretenses, you know, mm-hmm. and they think that it's very like broed out and maybe more celebrating dick pics and stuff like that, whereas it's sort of the opposite. And a lot of reaction we have afterwards is people saying that they didn't expect it uh, to hit them that way or they didn't expect it to be like not even that smart, but smart at all you know, or yeah. anything like yeah. that. And it's fun to get those reactions out of people. And it, perhaps we did ourselves a disservice, you know what I mean, by giving people the wrong impression right. up front. But that's that just kind of the way we yeah. operate. That was definitely the part of it, to make people think it's possibly going to be something else going into it. And it mm-hmm. even does start out that way with a bunch of, you know, ridiculous dick jokes. And the broed out character, as he was saying, is extremely broed out and <laughs> over the top, you know. Send her a picture of your dick. Why wouldn't you do this? Yeah. You know, trying to convince him over and over to do it, and then the ramifications of that. And we kind of wanted to show that you know, um, the female character was in control the entire time yeah. throughout the entire film. These guys spiraling out of control, not knowing what's going on if they they drink this Romanian moonshine. Yeah, Abbott and Costello meet dick pics. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and and I think a good and uh, film that this just reminds me of is like, or this idea of talking about something deeper through raunch and kind of these more taboo topics. It reminds me a little bit of Superbad, which is at its core a movie about male relationships and uh, you right. know, kind of eschewing masculinity in favor of something more thoughtful and uh that seems to be the goal of uh dick pick now with dick pick being the short and dead is the new 30 is it, would you say it's an adaptation or is it a continuance of the themes it, it would be sort of a continuance of the themes in a certain way um we created dick pick but then we realized we kind of wanted to roll with those two characters and just kind of throw them into different situations and we didn't want it to be you know dick pick one 
Dick, dick pick, pick two. two. The Still, dickening. Uh, yeah. dickening. Still right. dickening. Return to dick Split. planet. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> many different routes you could go. Um, so we had the idea for a web show just called Dead is the New 30, um, where it's kind of these two 30-something characters just bumbling through this heightened urban reality, dealing with different situations. And they're not necessarily even the same characters each show. They could be suddenly working, you know, in a restaurant. Right. And the next one sh- might be a businessman. Right, episode, sure. But we're st- we still call each other Mike and Tom the whole time. And it's semi-meta to where, you know, part of it, there is the realization that it is a sketch show. And, you know, there's episodes where we're trying to figure out how to write sketches and stuff like that. So it kind of goes back on itself. I like that. And- <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it does sound, so particularly from the dick pic, uh, episode um it sounds like you're using a lot of not like tropes but a lot of you're employing the way that black comedy approaches uh like difficult topics right by creating potentially problematic characters and then introducing the moral of the episode through that character's progression in the episode a lot of our stuff is definitely like that we have a lot of comedy but there's always a lot of dark humor like just a tinge of horror in a yeah. lot of our stuff too. I would a say. lot of it starts out as horror. Yes, yeah. Dick Pick started out as a thriller. It did really, um, but I think that it's a thrilling title. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's usually how girls describe Dick Picks. Yeah, like, a how, thriller. Did you get it? Like it was, it was a thrill to receive <laughs> that on my phone. Um, but uh, I think that there's that that makes complete sense. Where someone may be surprised that oh, it started out as a thriller and then became a comedy. I think that that comedy and horror are, you know, like step-siblings, and they have, you know, like very much to do with each other, especially with performing comedy and horror, um, because from a performer approaching those situations, you're talking about a heightened reality. A lot of times your dialogue makes no sense, mm-hmm. or, you know, in the real world, these aren't things that anyone would actually be saying in a horror movie or a comedy, mm-hmm. and yet you're saying them with full conviction. Sure. You know? So I actually think there's a lot of similarities uh, between like everyone was surprised when Jordan Peele came out with Get Out, you know, like oh he's a funny guy. They came out, I was like, well that makes complete sense right. that he'd make a great horror movie because yeah. he has that heightened perspective. Yeah, I Tom think and I talk about this things. all the time. Get Out, we I think Get for out, the first yes. five first five or six episodes, Get Out was mentioned at least once yeah. every single episode. It's a fixture, and but also just the anatomy. How you've said this before that the anatomy of a joke and the anatomy of a scare are essentially the same thing and how like yeah there's some teasing there's yeah, a little absolutely. bit of it's all set play. up a payoff yeah like mm-hmm. you a set little the misdirection thing sure yeah and then a surprise it's yeah, all about that sure. there's some subversion of expectations right. like and even the audience experience is sort of similar if you're watching a comedy or a horror movie right because it just feels good to share like the products of a joke and the products of a scare with other people very yeah, base absolutely. emotions yeah yeah exactly um was there any trouble did you how did you guys feel about going from making dick pic being a self-contained short and then moving into this idea of doing a series now granted it it seems like you guys are doing a sort of anthology thing with having different characters maybe they might return maybe they might not but uh thinking in this kind of series mentality versus thinking in a single feature mentality was there a change or did it feel natural well, I think at first with the dick pic thing, we just wanted to get something done, and we just wanted yeah. to, to to put it out there and and have it done. So we didn't really think too much past that. Mm-hmm. 
just calling it dick pic. And then, you know, of course, we had more ideas and everything, what would we call that. So then we kind of backtracked, and it's like, okay, the whole thing we'll call it Dead is the New 30, and everything we do was under that umbrella. Exactly. So a dick pic is sort of unofficially, say, like episode one of Dead yeah, is the, the New pilot, 30. pilot, as it were. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, the subsequent episodes coming up, uh, don't necessarily relate to or have to relate to that. Um, they're kind of their own thing, but it's all dead as the new 30. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's it's not a very linear progression by any means with, with the characters or the stories or, or the plot lines. It's just Tom and I kind of playing loose versions of ourselves in different situations. Yeah. Uh, and again, being vague, while it sounds like a really bold artistic choice, is just a really great cop-out. Yeah. <laughs> to, be able to, to be able to stay yeah, loose. And it's, a, and it's like, that's our artistic approach. But also, <laughs> right. it means we can be super lazy. When yeah. Well, whether or not you guys th- believe that you guys are being lazy, I mean, if dick pic, it sounds like you mentioned it earlier, it's sort of your commentary on toxic masculinity, like... Like approaching that, tackling that topic, especially as men, that's right. not a lazy approach at all. Yeah. So, could you maybe give us a teaser about this second episode? What it like? What is the? Uh, <laughs> could you give us a teaser as to like what kind of subject matter it, you're um, tackling? So or? it's called uh, clit pick. Okay. <laughs> oh, and what is? And wow. And what, is, what is that? No, it's called Roll fruit. It's, it's Are you called, asking uh, what a clitoris is? <laughs> it is. Um, so it's called fruit and salad party. Yeah, it's uh, it's not as uh, th- there's there's way less commentary on anything I would say with this one. This one is more pure uh, clowny silliness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's much shorter. It was much easier to shoot. It was a quick idea, and we were like, let's just do it. This will be simple. Uh, and basically, what it is is that one guy is very excited about a fruit and salad party <laughs> that is going down that he's been planning for six or seven months. Oh, my God. Um, six or seven. I can always track. That, six that, or seven is the that's key part. In, yeah. That's in <laughs> the six or seven months is said aloud at one point. And when he shows up to the apartment where the fruit and salad party is going down, not only is his friend who's hosting the fruit and salad party not there, but his brother, who's house-sitting for him, has not even heard <laughs> that this fruit and salad party is Outrage. happening. <laughs> yeah. And the guy who shows up with all the fruit and salad that he bought the night before in anticipation for a huge fruit and salad party is very upset about it. I and wants to, wants to move forward with the fruit and salad party despite the fact that the guy he's talking to doesn't know anything about it. And that's it. <laughs> so it's a liter- yes. so it's a cinematic adaptation of sometimes a great notion by Ken Kesey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real, real silly, real, uh, real fun. Um, and again, uh, I, I mean, I guess just whatever ideas come to us, it kind of fits into the looseness, the looseness of that is the new thirty. Yeah. That uh, we don't need to force any social commentary in there, or it or just not. either happens right. or it does. I suppose yeah. you could work something in with agriculture and globalization mm-hmm. when it comes to fruit and salad. But you know, <laughs> right. just have at it yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll send we'll send it over to some critical theorists. Yeah. There, there's yeah. Just, come up with something. There's yeah. just tons of esoteric knowledge in this one. You know, mass media, uh, globalization. Uh, fruit and salad mm. parties—it's—it's it's out of control. Could, could one say that fruit and salad is a uh, is somewhat of a uh, signifier for the situation in the Middle East? Well, where are you going first? <laughs> you, walk, you walk in, 
the land to of a fruit and salad, salad party. <laughs> on your way there, are you thinking I'm going to have equal amounts of fruit and salad, or is there is one a, that you're? Is thinking this a two snack solution? Right. Or, yeah, right, exactly. like which I'm probably going to have more of the fruit. I'm just going to be honest with you. Right? How does your fruit and salad party relate to the political situation in the Middle East, and why is why is it a microcosm of the Israeli-Palestinian? Because fruit and conflict? salad have always Go. been divided. Right, yeah. and they can't find common ground. Right, yet everyone still appreciates both for what they are, and seemingly they would go together. And they do. I mean, a Waldorf salad. You could. Eat that, you know? <laughs> oh my god! They really do. Sometimes you, you, do you nice, do have a salad with some dried, berries. right? Dried cherries, some you know black mm. truffle. I have to write uh, this down. Arugula. Right. You can mix it all together, and you know, eventually, if they both don't realize they're they're one in the same, they're all going to. That's the thing and is that the fruit them. thinks that it has everything going on, doesn't right. need the salad, it's and so then sweet. the salad thinks, "Well, get that fruit out of here." Absolutely. But when they join forces and got together, then suddenly you have yourself a party. So that's just a little insight into how you guys write together, right? It's just <laughs> bouncing, so. off, bouncing off, bouncing off one absolutely. another. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to take a moment to write down the Waldorf salad is the two-state solution <laughs> of fruit and salad. Get me Jared Kushner. I've got this. It's so simple. If he's not in prison, wouldn't that yet. be disappointing if you showed up to a fruit and salad party and it was just Waldorf's? And you're like, isn't that just salad? It's Someone's like, well, there out. is some fruit in there. Why even put the and in there? There's right. no qualifier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel yeah, like there should a, be separate a um, fruit salad party. All fruit right, slash. so f- this this fruit salad party episode is going to premiere at the Logan Bar Cinema Obscura on December twentieth, part of TV Party Twelve. Um, real quick, how'd you guys? Did you guys already know John? How'd you get to meet each other? I've known John since I was probably like twelve. It's been like something. fifty years. Fifty years. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's, it's, you it's, guys it's, look great. It's mm-hmm. been a long time. We just grew up in the same area, know a lot of the same yeah. people, and our mm-hmm. paths crossed a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we're roommates for a while, um, and then John started the Cinema Obscure stuff, and he knew that yeah, we always kind of dabbled in sketches and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, reached out, and uh, super cool. It's uh, exciting to be a part of it, and it's a cool thing that's happening. We are going to have think. a TV party tonight. I'm ready. I'm always uh, ready. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you should be able to find myself and Connor there, w- weather permitting. On the 20th. <laughs> I hope yeah. so. On the 20th. I hope so. It's got a roof. Don't worry about the weather. All that's right. Rad. We'll be inside. Right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's also a bar. It's also a bar. So get on over there, December 20th at Logan Bar. Uh, it's TV Party 12. Check out Cinema Obscura on Facebook for more. I mean, and you should be following that anyway, especially yes. the Instagram. Yeah. Follow follow John Cinema Obscura on Instagram. There's always solid yeah. Dune memes. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if you're into Dune, but oh, yeah. he's There's, got top tier Dune memes. Dune posting Renaissance all Dune, of a sudden. Dune, Hellraiser, Star Wars, pretty much anything that makes me laugh, I want to put it up there and Hopefully make y'all laugh, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty great, man. Yeah. I, I mean, the majority that. of my yeah. likes on Instagram go Are directly going to over you. Cinema Obscura. Awesome. At Cinema that. Obscura on Instagram. And then for uh, Dead is the New 30, you guys are on Facebook, mm-hmm. so you can head on over. Just search Dead is the New 30, yep. at Dead is the New 30, yep. if, if you like to do that sort of thing. Are you guys on Twitter and Instagram yeah, as well? Yeah, it's uh, at Dead is the New 30 on Twitter. And then there will be an Instagram eventually. Soon. I really, I got to say, I really love this logo. On that you have on on the oh, Facebook, thank you. I think I appreciate it, that. that is really funny. I really like that. So again, catch them on December twentieth. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here and just go over maybe some fun topics. Talk a little bit about what we've been watching this week, maybe. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back.
back, everybody. No Coast Cinema here on WGM+. Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And right now we're going to get into one of our favorite things to do, which is talk a little bit about what we've watched in the last week. Uh, always something good. We ask our guests what, what's really been, uh, you know, piquing their interest. What have they seen visually or even read something, listened to something that has uh, really inspired them or they really enjoyed this last week. So let's start over with uh, Thomas Motier. Yeah, definitely. Um, I got to go with Good Time, a 100%. Yeah, the movie I have not with seen Robert that. Pattinson. In, it's pretty incredible. Um, I think they're the Sadafi brothers. Yeah, the Sa- got, Safdie brothers. Safdie brothers. Okay, yeah, they are just extremely talented. Um, they did a movie in 2014. I think Heaven Knows What is okay. what it's called. Um, but Good Time is just an extremely gritty, visually intense film. It's awesome. Do it's you think incredible. we're looking at awards for that one? Possibly. I just think that they they always capture this like gritty subject matter, but the visuals they use to capture that are always just awesome as far as like the color work, uh, the storytelling, sure. um, just the locations they use, the lighting, the way it's shot. Everything they do is just awesome. But Good Time is just excellent. Were you yeah. wary about Robert Pattinson going definitely, into it? Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he just seems so strung out and just out of his mind in that movie. It's pretty great totally yeah. believable yeah <laughs> and that's a, i know that that's available on like digital platforms you can get the dvd blu-ray now so no no excuse and it comes from a24 which is a uh, they're killing it they, they literally just insane, yeah insane how much uh, great stuff they're putting out all right let's go over to mike rempert what have you watched listened to read oh uh, let's see um i Cruised through all of Horace and Pete last week. Yeah? Did you guys catch that? I haven't seen it yet. I know that's Louis C.K., correct? Yeah. And uh, who else? Uh, uh, Steve Buscemi, right? Yeah, Buscemi's Buscemi, in there. Yeah. Um, Alan Alda oh, yeah. wow. is phenomenal wow. in it. Now, did your did everything that has been going on with Louis C.K. Yeah. affect the way that you watched it? Yeah. Yeah, it did. How did it make you feel? Uh, it, it sucks. You know, because it's, it's 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 super unfortunate, and 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 what he did is is terrible. It's that weird thing because I'm a huge Woody Allen fan too. You know, right? And it's that weird thing of like, can you still appreciate the person's work, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't been able to go back and watch his his comedy at all for some reason because he just seems like so smug when you watch his comedy now. Like, yeah, like Woody Allen or Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Okay. Like knowing everything that that happened. Watching him just like stand up there with a mic and like talk about himself, like it's just like it just I don't know, it just strikes me the wrong way. With Horace and Pete, it was something I had started before the news, uh-huh. and then never got around to finishing it. And then I was like, like, well, let's just watch this. I mean, he already made it, yeah. You know, let's just watch it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Would you Would you ever watch uh, I Love You, Daddy? If it ever got any sort of release? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Is, just how like morbid curiosity in a sense. Oh like, no, I'm like super like selfishly, I'm like super disappointed that that movie's not coming out. Yeah. You know, I was like looking a... forward to it for a while. You know, I get why it's not coming out, but He's... then at the same time, you're kind of like, well, he already made it. You know, I mean. I wouldn't mind seeing it. He's actually buying the distribution rights back from the Orchard, the Sony yeah, production serious? company. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Some people are speculating so he might do out. like a Horace and Pete thing, you know, put it up on his website for 20 bucks or whatever. Interesting. I'd be interested yeah, to I see mean, where that That goes. would be the move for yeah, sure. I yeah, think, I think you, yeah. he will be back. I don't think it's, um, you know, a Cosby situation. Um, I think that he will, you know, continue a career in comedy, but I think it, you know, 
there's there's no blueprint as to how to go about doing that, you know. So yeah, I think, I think that I think that'll take a lot of time, and he'll probably never have the same fan base. Yeah, I think, um, and I, I I'll say this: I think rightfully so that if you're turned off by Louis C.K. now, like. I'm kind of turned off by him now. I kind of don't really like if he comes back, he comes back such as life. Um, I don't know how much I'd be willing to engage with it, but it does. It's still, but to your point, I still really want to see what I love you. Daddy is. I'd probably watch Horace and Pete just to know. Yeah. Because, because now we're watching it with a whole new lens and with a whole new frame of reference. Well, watching that show or watching that movie that doesn't, you know, put you in that room with like him and those women true and like you're not like a part of it you know like you're not like supporting any of that you're just watching something that somebody made mm-hmm. you know so i can sort of compartmentalize those two different parts of someone's life but i can see how that'd be easier said than done for some other people all right well horace and pete that's what, you, what uh mr mike rempert got through mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> he, made, he made it you sprinted. It's a tough one. Oh, it, it is. is. Yeah. I, 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 I recommend it. It's, yeah. it's, there's very long monologues. Uh, there's very little structure. One episode will be 26 minutes. The next episode is 54 minutes. Wow. Some episodes, there was one that was 26, was just, um, uh, for the most single part, shot. one long monologue from yeah. a woman, like single shot. Wow. And there's a couple yeah. moments like that in the show that are 10-minute long monologues and stuff. And looking back, it's not you're like, I don't know if it was great. It was amazing, but I definitely... Like watched it and like wanted to see the next episode every single time, you know. And it was it was certainly like an experiment. So yeah, good for him. <laughs> All right, Mr. John Davies. Hey ho. What have, what would you recommend? What have you watched or what have you read? Listened to? I re- I don't read or listen to anything. I just no. watch stuff. That's all I do. <laughs> Even better. I can't do either or the other. You're doing uh, both I, at once. <laughs> I did just finish the new. Uh, I don't know how new it is, but there's a new series on uh, Netflix called Dark. German, yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot about this. Pretty good, excellent, yeah, pretty yeah. good, yeah, pretty solid. What's the What's the premise? Oh, I don't want to say anything without giving it away, but uh, kind of cross Lost and Stranger Things. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Is um, it? Does it have that good childlike... stuff from those two things? Not oh, okay, the, yeah, I've not heard... season two of Stranger. Mm, <laughs> don't 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 get me started on that. <laughs> I, I haven't seen any of season two yet. It's not the yeah. same. It's not the same. Not the same. <laughs> I've heard a lot of comparisons with Dark, uh, with like directorial influences being like David Lynch and uh, David Fincher as yeah, well. I see that absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and they, the sound design, the music is oh, incredible. Man. It's it just there's some things where it's just a dude picking a coffee can off the ground, and there's this crazy ass music, and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. Those Germans. I love it. Yeah, it's I've crazy. heard it that the English dubbing is very poor, and that. It's recommended to watch it oh, yeah. in German with the English. Subtitles. I watched it with the that's, subs. That's, yeah, hundred percent. I bet that's right. Yeah, I watched it in English. I did not hear that. Everyone part. said the English yeah. dubbing is like very, very bad and distracting. Is what I've heard. Huh. All right. Well, watch it both ways. I, I am. I, I am a fan of uh, of subtitles. Honestly, mm-hmm. I recently. Yeah. And I've. I mean, it's a weird thing. It took me a while to come around to it, but like. 
as as I'll say in my recommendation, um, I've definitely come around to really enjoying subtitles because mm-hmm. then you get to hear you get to hear the performance and still understand it. But there's some things where I'm just like, I'm gonna throw on the the dub here. I'm some, gonna need some that things dub. you have to, yeah, yeah. Some things you have to. Um, I want to kind of throw myself just real quick, yeah, throw myself it. under the bus with this. So I was watching it. I was watching it on recommendation because somebody told me it's like, oh yeah, it's like David Lynch, it's like David Fincher, but it's like a mini series. So check it out. So I was watching the first episode of Dark, and I was watching it with the English dub, and I was watching it, and when the mouth wasn't, like, matching up, I was like, wow. So I wonder if, like, in another episode, they're going to be, like, they have that audio, and they're like, because it's, it's like, a time, there's, like, a bunch Mm -hmm. of different time periods, Mm -hmm, right? And I was like, wow, are they just going to be, like they took the audio from this scene and they're going to use it in a later episode yeah. and this is like from a future episode. So Lynchian. It's like, totally. It was going to be like a Radiohead album but it's a miniseries. Right. You know? <laughs> well, this was... one, honestly, I think if you're trying to read and watch this one and put the story together in your head without the English, it's going to be so hard. I was really confused until about the fifth episode. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I was listening to it in English and watching it in English and I was just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. It was so crazy. <laughs> I just... But to add the, like having to read and put it all together, I don't know if I could do I'm going to give it a shot with it's, season two. It's super dense yeah man it was it was so hard like it took me a while to figure out what the story was really in the in yeah it took seriously like five episodes and i was listening to it in english Mm -hmm. and it was it is very much like a uh in my opinion a more mature dark version of stranger things Mm -hmm. with a lot of you know yeah i don't want to ruin anything yeah no no no. i'm interested i like how you think that both of you with this show it's like saying anything about it will ruin anything like 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 like, like there's just like two things that are discussed yeah can't mention either one of them (laughs) right well you see there's this thing it it plays with space and time fourth dimension the idea of like you know time being a flat circle and Mm -hmm. everything existing at once Mm -hmm. huh yeah let's go back to not trying to ruin anything (laughs) (laughs) it plays with that it might not be about that it plays with it all right uh personally i've i've got a recommendation i finally so uh through the barnes and noble sale i i love criterion collection movies because i'm just a a beast i just love them i love the look they're like my. They're like adult Pokemon cards to me. I'm just like I need to. <laughs> just want to have them. Like they just look beautiful. But um, I purchased earlier last month during the sale. I got finally got Seven Samurai, and I'd never seen it. And I'd mm. seen some other Akira Kurosawa, and I was just like, well, it's fucking Seven Samurai. Like people list this as like one of the greatest movies to ever be made ever. I have to watch it. And I was a little bit like, oh man, this movie is three and a half hours long yes, in a right. different yes. language. Language. Stick with it, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And um, I finally sat down and watched it in its entirety, and uh, I was I was blown away <laughs> because, one, I was just like, wow, I'm really able to do the uh, – I'm really able to do the subtitles here. And – too like the length felt like once once you allow yourself to be like I'm going to watch something that is going to take its time and really flesh out this relatively simple plot into being something so much more like it felt like it was over in an instant and uh, funny enough with the Criterion Edition they keep the intermission in like it literally plays its whole 10 minute intermission Which was really fun because I can get up and get myself a glass of water and then come back. You could also just pause any show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I I gave myself the experience. Yeah, use it for its true purpose. Yeah. Use it for its true purpose. Trying to knock out phone calls during the intermission. Exactly. I got to go intermission. They're coming back. Wait, aren't you watching this at home on a DVD player? Like, (laughs) trying to get just full fucking pause. It's a criterion collection. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So. Uh, at the end of the day, like 
just watching it and realizing um, that later, you know, filmmakers would use every bit and piece from this story, not just the plot itself, which is remade into The Magnificent Seven, and then in a looser sense, A Bug's Life by Pixar. (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, It's, uh, you know, even just the small technical things like the screen wipes. It's total, total Star Wars. Like, I'm just like, oh, man, this is exactly where George Lucas got this. The screen wipes between scenes. Entirely. This, Mm -hmm. that, and the next thing. And it was just, uh, it was really great to see where all this influence came from. So if you want to give yourself a three and a half hour education in um, the new Hollywood movement of of the late 60s, early 70s, check out Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa. Over to Connor. Cap us off here, bud. All right. Um, so what began as a somewhat sober choice to watch uh, <laughs> to watch Mortal Kombat, the movie, <laughs> yes. turned into a self-imposed homework assignment of watching as many video game adaptation films as I could. Fantastic. Nice. And I, I think most people would agree that Hollywood and whatever has summarily failed at adapting like good video game properties. Silent Hill is pretty good. Silent Hill is pretty good. What about Blood Rain? <laughs> Does anybody remember Blood Rain? <laughs> anybody? Did they really? Did they? Oh, oh they did two of them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I've got to say, even though they are totally panned critically, I've got to, I think that the best video game adaptation movies are the first two Pokemon films. And you guys can and you guys can fight me on it if you want to. But Does it count as, as a video game adaptation? Or is it, uh, I mean, is the... Because Pokemon's the, Pokemon, and then they made a video game based on Pokemon, right? It didn't start as well, a that's, video game. Well, that's the thing. I think it might have started as a video game. I think it did. And they made... Oh. Yeah, it was kind of an all-encompassing monster They were just took like over Japan. Yeah, because the story of the the television series is not the same as what's happening. In, the game is super generic. Your name is not Ash. It's red. Right. Or blue. First like, off, Pikachu's character... And the first film is just no, I don't know. So unbelievable. (laughs) Okay, honestly, I have seen the first Pokemon film. The first one, Mewtwo Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So come on. So there's the beginning where it opens up, and he's like, Mewtwo is struggling with his identity, doesn't know who he is. (laughs) Right, right. He's next. He's like psychically linked to all these clones, and then (laughs) they just die in front of him. (laughs) And this. There's this girl, the scientist is like obsessed with the cloning process because he wants to bring his little girl back to life, and she dies next to Mewtwo, and Mewtwo, so this guy goes crazy and he like pours all of his ambition into bringing Mewtwo to life, and then Mewtwo realizes that he's just being used as a pawn in these people's game, and that turns into a disdain for humanity. And wow. then he challenges all of humanity to this, like, game of his own design. And if they lose, he's going to literally destroy the planet with his storms, right. like, with, by creating storms. It's just shock- this is shockingly this is Pokemon. Yeah. 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 No, it's just crazy. Mewtwo strikes. Well, it's, <laughs> that is crazy. it's awesome. It's, like, <laughs> it's a really good – I think there's, like, a really good moral in there that was just horribly executed in Some, particularly the English adaptation. Culture shock. Yeah. It's, like – if you can look at Pokemon as a natural force or, like, an embodiment of the natural world and, like, human ambition and human greed bastardizing this, like, naturally occurring power, trying to turn it to its own ends, ultimately ending up in its destruction. I mean, it's a classical – it's a classic tale. Absolutely. And it's a great thing to introduce to kids. It's a great moral to, like, you know, have compassion for, like, nature and everything yeah. lest you be destroyed by it. Mm. And – also, it's just a great thing to take you back to the source material. It develops the world building. You know, 
I was impassioned when yeah. I was watching it, and this keep in mind this movie has a fourteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Right, like, sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell Seriously. you, when I watched it, when I was seven, eight years old, when that came out, I was floored. My whole family went like we were. So, like I remember my parents, like my dad, who couldn't give a shit about any of it. He was there watch. He watched the entire thing, and I think I think he might have enjoyed it. <laughs> like he might have had a good time with it. It's a uh, you know what? You've made a solid case. Hmm. I'm going to have to rewatch it now. Mm-hmm. Is it on Blu-ray? Did they up- update it for HD? Don't. don't when, do is that. <laughs> when is the Criterion <laughs> Pokemon yeah. come out? You just want to have it. It looks so good. I also don't want to like belabor it too long, but there were so many things wrong with that movie. Like, in terms of just the laziness of the dubbing, there's this guy. So the, one of the trainers has a Pidgeot, and he calls it a Pidgeotto. Like, uh, come on. on. Pikachu, yeah. Pikachu kills, and kills a golem. Yeah, with, they, when they were just trying to push it out. Like, whatever. Skip that part. I'm murder? I'm furious. <laughs> I, am, I was furious and impassioned while watching this movie. So I'll All leave right. it there because I could go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, go on. Go out and uh, rent the first two Pokemon movies. Uh, and you've heard all these great recommendations. Mm-hmm. So go out go out and watch all of them. Give yourself a little bit of a, a, an education here. So we've got Good Time, Horace and Pete, Dark, the new series on Netflix, uh, Seven Samurai, and then the first two Pokemon <laughs> yes. movies. The first one. The yes. second one's not. All right. Yes. First Pokemon movie. Could I give an honorable mention as well? Yes, Real please. quickly. I also read uh, Norm MacDonald's fake memoir. Hmm. Oh, I've month, been fascinated. Which is what I should have mentioned. And it's it's unbelievable. It's, it's a bunch of fake stories mixed in with real stories. You don't really know what's fake or real. Some stuff is like obviously fake. He talks about him and Lorne Michaels shooting morphine together and stuff like that. <laughs> My favorite. Completely made up. <laughs> But if you like Norm MacDonald, it's it's fantastic. And yeah. you'll find yourself, like with many of his jokes, a few pages in, and you're like, all right, Norm, why am I still reading you know? <laughs> And then he hits you with just with one line that makes you look like a crazy person on the train mm-hmm. because you yeah. can't stop laughing. Exactly. So, he's honorable the mas- mention. He's the master of the long game. Like, oh, I've heard his so moth good. joke. Oh, the yeah. moth joke... I had me in tears. It's in the book. It's longer in Is the it? book. Is oh, it? Mm. And he does this whole thing in the book where he's talking about... Uh, Rodney Dangerfield and all the stories he has about Rodney Dangerfield are just Rodney Dangerfield jokes. <laughs> like he's like 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 Rodney once told me a story that he went to the doctor and and the doctor told him uh, he was sick, so he said he wanted a second opinion. And get this, the doctor tells him, "Well, you're ugly too." <laughs> I mean, can you believe that? A doctor <laughs> said that to this guy. He just doesn't get any respect. You know, like, it's like pages of just stories of Dangerfield as Dangerfield jokes. Oh my! And he's God. just like eating up time in this book. It's amazing. So, what is it fantastic. Called? It's called um, based on a true story. Not a memoir. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> By Norm MacDonald. I want to check that out. I've, I've heard a lot about it and that it was like this idea of fake things mixed in with real things yeah. to mm. completely confuse you, which is kind of like Norm MacDonald's whole thing. Yeah. He's he, about confusing mm-hmm. you. As a reader of the book, he loses you and wins you back over and over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but you got to let yourself get lost for a bit. Absolutely. You know, and then he will get you back, though. It's It's worth it. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for these fantastic recommendations. Go out and watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank you overall for being here, guys. We've got Thomas Motier, uh, Mike Rempert, John Davies. You can check out the uh, debut of Episode 2 of Dead is the New 30 over at Logan Bar on December 20th, part of TV Party 12. TV Party 12. Which is, in turn, part of Cinema Obscura. Cinema Obscura. Uh, follow all these guys on social media because you need to know what's going on in this city. Go have some fun. Forget the multiplex. Watch something that comes from the heart. Dick pigs. <laughs> right from there. All right. This is No Co Cinema on WGM Plus. I'm Tom Hodge. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we will see you guys next week.